This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style. And that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. We are here on the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast. Before we dive into boundaries today, I just wanted to say I have heard from quite a few of you this week, and I love hearing from our listeners. So thank you so much for emailing and, you know, DMing me on social media and, you know, contacting through the website. I really love you guys. And I love hearing, you know, what's resonating with you on the podcast and the questions that you have as well, because those questions help me to, you know, formulate and create new episodes just like this. And I also just wanted to take a moment to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, please share it with someone else, you know, who is navigating their ADHD and also leave us a review. Hopefully a five-star review, (laughs) that would be wonderful. And, you know, make some comments about what you love about the podcast. And of course, if there is something that you don't love other than my swearing, you are welcome to reach out because I'm going to keep swearing. (laughs) Which is so funny as we talk about boundaries today, because for some people, they have like a, a boundary around people swearing and I'm just not for them, which I get, right? So, all right, my friends. Let's talk about boundaries and balance with our ADHD. So every single woman with ADHD that I have worked with, that I have coached, and who has shared their ADHD challenges with me, they all talk about struggling with boundaries. They talk about over committing themselves, saying yes when they don't really want to because they're afraid of letting people down. That is a huge fear that I often see and hear from you guys is I'm afraid of letting people down. So our tendency is to instead people please to say yes when we'd kind of rather say no. And then we have the RSD component, right? The rejection, the sensitivity to, you know, being criticized. We're afraid of that, of experiencing that. Often perfectionism also ties into this. And the other thing that can play a role here is the low self-esteem that many people with ADHD also struggle with. Now, because we don't put boundaries in place to protect our time and our energy and our mental well-being, that can mean that we suffer and we can really struggle. And if you want more balance in your life, it comes from creating boundaries. Just the other day, I was actually coaching a client and she was talking about how she wants more balance in her life. That is a really big goal for her. That is something that she wants to create. And I asked her why. Why is it that you want balance? And she said to me, balance will give me daily pleasure. It will help me to prioritize myself and my health. And balance will mean that I'm able to do the things that I enjoy more often. And I told her that she has that backwards. Because in order to create balance, we first must prioritize ourselves and do the things that we enjoy more 
often. When we do that, we create balance. And how do we do that? We do it by creating boundaries in our life. So setting a boundary is a lot like building a fence. Okay, so just as a fence defines the boundary of a property and it keeps out, you know, unwanted people or, you know, intruders and it maintains privacy. Setting a boundary establishes a clear barrier that protects your personal space and your limits from other people crossing into it without your consent. Now, poor boundaries cause us to suffer. We can experience a lot of guilt or shame or a big one for me would be resentment. That's the one I used to experience all the time. It can harm relationships. And having poor boundaries can, you know, keep us feeling trapped or add to our overwhelm or fuel our anxiety or depression. Whereas healthy boundaries bring us self-confidence. Healthy boundaries create self-respect. They lead to higher productivity, more energy and increased happiness. Now, hear me when I say this. Putting a boundary in place is an act of self-respect and self-care. I'm going to say it again. The act of creating a boundary is self-respect for us and self-care for ourselves. And when we say yes to someone or something, we are saying no to ourselves. So for example, if you say yes to staying late at work and doing some overtime, you're saying no to spending time with your family at home. Or perhaps you're saying no to going to the gym after work like you had planned and therefore you're saying no to your health and your fitness and maybe your goals. When we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to something else. I remember years ago when I was, you know, building my business and I was working part time. I think I was four days a week at the time in a store and I was getting asked often if I would work extra days or extra hours and the days and hours when I wasn't working in this store I was working on my coaching business and growing it and helping people and when I would get asked to work extra I was always saying yes and I was thinking things like it would be great to have the extra money and I really want them to like me and I don't want to let them down I want them to think I'm reliable and a good employee and all of this but every time I said yes to them and to staying late and working extra, I was saying no to my business. I was saying no to helping more women get the support that they're looking for. I was saying no to coaching more people. I was saying no, ultimately, to my dream. Every time I said yes to that, I was saying no to being able to go full time sooner. Now, here is the thing that I want you all to hear. That feeling of resentment when you didn't set the boundary, when you said yes begrudgingly and wish now that the time has come to do the thing you wish you'd said no, like that resentment and that frustration and that anger that, you know, you'd rather be doing some other shit rather than putting up with this or this crappy behavior, that's hard. That's fucking uncomfortable. And you know what else is hard and uncomfortable in the beginning? 
setting boundaries. Yeah, it's hard, especially when it's not something that you have been doing for yourself. It is hard in the beginning. I'm not going to lie to you all. Okay, it's uncomfortable, right? Both of those things are not having them or creating them and putting them in place. Now, one of those two hard and uncomfortable things is going to create a happier, healthier, more balanced life for you. Can you guess which one? (laughs) I know you can. Right? Only one of those two choices is an act of self-care and self-respect. Which hard thing moves you in the direction you want to go? Right? This is a case of choosing your hard, of choosing your discomfort and choosing it in a way that supports you. So let's talk about the mistakes that we make with boundaries. And we're also going to talk about how to set them. Okay. And we'll go through some examples. There are three key areas I see where boundaries often get misunderstood. And these are three things that, you know, I had wrong in my brain for most of my adult life. Okay. And number one is Thinking it's what you do to control another person, right? Thinking that putting a boundary in place is what you do to control another person. So for example, you know, you tell someone that they can't smoke around you because you don't like it. So therefore they just shouldn't smoke around you. They need to change that behavior. They need to go somewhere else or stop doing it. Now that's incorrect. Okay. A boundary is not what they have to do. Right. Yes, we will communicate that. And I'm going to explain it in a moment. We'll communicate what we would like them to stop doing or start doing or what have you. But a boundary isn't trying to control them. It is controlling what we will do if the behavior continues. Okay. so, for example, if they continue to smoke around me, I am going to leave. Okay. it's not that. You have to stop doing that. Of course, I'm going to ask you to stop doing that. If that's a boundary that I have, I'll communicate it. However, it's what I will do for myself to protect me, to take care of me. Okay, that's like a key distinction here and an area where boundaries are often misunderstood. Now, number two is coming from a defensive threat based place. Man, that used to be me. I got to check myself sometimes, right? It's not a threat. It's not against them. A boundary is for you. I'm going to say it again. A boundary is not a threat. It's not something that's against them. A boundary is for you. And number three is failing to acknowledge that people can do whatever they choose. Okay, we can't control them. Sometimes I wish we could. But the reality is that we can't control them, right? We can communicate our boundaries and we can ask someone to stop the behavior, but we can't make them. We cannot control them, but we can control ourselves. Okay, that's that's the only person that we can control ourselves. Now, it is very freeing to accept that the person gets to behave however they choose. And that doesn't have to mean anything about us. People are going to do what they want. Let them. Honestly, let them. Now, 
This doesn't mean that we don't communicate our boundaries. It doesn't mean that we, you know, just stand there and tolerate whatever the behavior is. No, like people get to behave however they want. We let them and then we take care of ourselves and our needs. And that often might look like us removing ourselves from the situation. Okay. Boundaries come from a place of love and respect for yourself, for you, right? And boundaries, not only do they come from that place of love and respect for yourself, but also with acceptance that that other person can do whatever they choose and we can't control them. Okay, so we'll go through some examples. So, for example, if you're in a meeting and someone starts to yell at you or they raise their voice, you might say, look, if you continue to yell at me, I am going to leave. And then if they keep yelling, which if they've already started yelling, they're probably going to do. If they continue yelling, you get up and you leave the room. Now, back to the hard and uncomfortable. It's hard and uncomfortable when someone's yelling at you. It's also hard and uncomfortable in the beginning. Okay, only in the beginning. I promise you it gets easier to get up and leave, to no longer allow that behavior. Okay. So let's talk about how to set up and communicate a boundary. Okay, I have three simple steps for you. Number one, we communicate if you, and I'm going to go through this in a minute. Number two, if you was number one. Number two is I will dot, dot, dot. And number three is how about dot, dot, dot. Okay, so basically number one is we are acknowledging the behavior. If you continue to do this. And then number two is we explain what we will do if they continue, what we will do. Okay, emphasis on us, not them. Okay, so if you continue to yell, explain what you will do. I will leave the room. Number three is offer an alternative. Now, I don't always do this, but where possible, I think it's a great thing to do. Okay. So this is the area that I'm definitely focusing on at the moment is trying to build in the alternative. Okay, so if you continue to yell at me, I will get up and leave the room. How about we take a 15 minute break right here and we circle back after some fresh air? Okay, so it's giving that kind of offer, that alternative and a suggestion of a way to, you know, do it differently. Okay, so. I just want to be really clear, though, that telling them your boundary, communicating it to someone does not guarantee that they will change. In fact, it's highly likely that they won't in the beginning and you need to be willing to enforce the boundary. I'll give you an example from my life. So a boundary I have is around drunk people. I do not tolerate being around really drunk people. And my dad likes to drink. So when my dad drinks and he drinks an excessive amount, <laughs> you know, I will have this conversation. It has ar- arisen many times and I, I know I expect it to arise still in the future. Okay. So I might say to him, hey, dad, if you continue to drink this much, I'm going to leave. You know that this makes me really uncomfortable. We've had many conversations. How about you switch to zero alcohol beers for a bit 
or slow down for a couple of hours. Now, here's the thing. Most of the time he doesn't listen to me and I leave. That's okay. Right? Remember what I said before? People can do what they want. Let them. Now, it doesn't have to mean anything about you when they engage in that behavior, when they continue to engage in that behavior. Like, this is a crucial part of boundary setting is that you must be willing to follow through on what you have said that you will do. Okay, in this case, when my dad continues to drink, I follow through and remove myself from the situation. As I've said, it can be hard at first, but what's more hard, more uncomfortable and creates more tension and drama in my brain is when I stay. It's just not worth it, right? Self-respect and self-love for me is leaving. Now, it can also be, and hear me when I say this, it can also be incredibly beneficial for our relationships as people see us taking care of ourselves and no longer tolerating certain behaviors. Boundaries can really help our relationships. And I can tell you right now that my relationship with my dad has improved hugely because of the boundaries that I've put in place and the behaviors that I no longer tolerate. Me choosing to respect myself and love myself has resulted in him having way more respect for me also. It has elevated our relationship. And, and this is really key, I no longer me, make it mean anything about me when he continues to drink. I know he loves me and he gets to do whatever he wants, right? That is a really key element is what you make it mean when that behavior continues, right? If they choose to keep doing it or what you make it mean when you set a boundary, okay? That shit's optional. So when we just let them behave however they want without making it mean something negative or bad about us, for them, it is incredibly freeing. Now, some other examples when it comes to boundaries might be that you don't accept people swearing in front of you. And <laughs> probably not if you're still listening to this, because I know I've dropped a few F-bombs already. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to talk about sex in the workplace or you've been cooking seven days a week in your household and now You've decided you're going to put a boundary in place so you've got more time for you and you're only going to cook four days a week for the family, right? And you're going to navigate that conversation. Like perhaps you keep saying yes to helping all the new people at work and your workload is just piling up, piling up, piling up. And it's time to say no to anything additional until your workload is back to a reasonable level. Now, here's the trouble with us yes people right? I used to be one of these people. I got to check myself sometimes is when we keep saying yes, like, oh yeah, yeah, I can help with that. I can do that. Yep. Happy to help. The more we say yes, the more they come to us because they're expecting us to say yes, right? We're an easy person to go to because we're super accommodating. But we remember when we keep saying yes to all of these things and all of these different projects and all these things in the community and all these things at work, when we keep saying yes to that, we're saying no to ourselves. Okay. Another area where I have boundaries and, you know, this is something I have worked on in terms of mind management for a while now is in my brain. (laughs) My brain can be a real asshole sometimes. And I just don't accept the shit talking 
That doesn't mean it doesn't still happen. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It happens, you know, often, (laughs) but I don't accept it. Let me give you an example. So the very first time I went to a Toastmasters meeting, so this was like maybe five-ish years ago, I can't, I don't know, about five years ago. And a Toastmasters meeting is like where you go to learn public speaking skills. And it was a morning meeting and I go along and there's this segment where they get the new people or anyone who hasn't had a chance to speak yet, they get an opportunity to talk about a topic or introduce themselves. And so I stood up in my seat when I was called upon and I, you know, I'm panicking. I actually was freaking out the whole meeting like, oh, fuck, I hope they don't call my name out and I don't have to do anything. Even though that's the whole reason I've gone is to like improve my public speaking skills, right? Anyway, they call on me and I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I stand up in my seat and I speak for like 15 seconds like, hi, my name is Zena and this is what I do and this is where I live and And then I sit down, (laughs) you know, freaking out. But what happened after that is my brain, as soon as I sat down, as soon as it was over, my brain started with all its nasty shit, right? Like you sucked. That was embarrassing. You couldn't even last 30 seconds. And you know that because there's a light that lights up. You're useless. You can't do this. You're never going to get better at this. You might as well quit now. Like all of that kind of shit started coming up. Okay. So I decided that Every time I spoke in public, whether it was at a Toastmasters meeting or at a networking event or whatever else, I was only allowed to look at what I did well and praise myself for the fact that I just effing did it for 24 hours. For the first 24 hours, I was only allowed to look at what I did well and praise myself. And then, and Only then, after that 24 hours, was I allowed to look at it from a constructive place. From what can I learn? Right? When when my brain and by then, like my brain was was not as much of an arsehole. (laughs) Right? It was it was pretty much out of arsehole mode by then, and I was able to drop into curiosity and learn from the experience. Okay, this is a boundary that I have, and now every time I speak in place, uh, I speak in public rather, which is pretty frequently now. There's no shit talking for 24 hours. I just know that. My brain knows that. Like it's it's t- taken some time and it fought back quite hard, but that's just a thing. And I'll tell you what, I did an event earlier this week where I spoke in front of, I think, roughly 70 people. I was on a stage. I had a microphone, had a presentation, the whole friggin' works. And I did not hear a word of shit from my brain at all. In fact, I only heard positive reinforcement, pride, and like gratitude. At no time was there any shit talking that came up. And that blew my mind, especially compared to where I used to be. Absolutely blew my mind. And my friend, that is possible for you too. Boundaries are what we create to love, respect, and protect ourselves. Sometimes from our own shit-talking brain, (laughs) right? Me setting boundaries is not me rejecting you. It's me protecting me. Okay, I'm going to say that one again. Me setting a boundary is not me rejecting you. It's just me protecting me. My time, my energy, my mental space, all of it. Okay, a couple of things I want you to remember. 
it's not a threat. Okay, when we're setting a boundary, it's not against them. It's for you. And people can do whatever they want. Let them. It's so freeing to accept that and let them. Okay. And it is an act of self-respect and self-care to set a boundary. If you want my help taking your stress levels from a 10 out of 10 down to a 2, if you're ready to stop feeling all over the place and get rid of that constant nagging feeling that you should be doing more and you should be further along, I will teach you exactly how to create more calm and more balance in your life so you can finally feel like you're getting ahead whilst you've got time to enjoy a weekend away with your friends and hit the gym on a regular basis. Okay, if you want that, then you need to come and coach with me. Visit xenajones.com and book in for a free consult call. During that 45 minutes together, we will do an ADHD audit of your life. Okay, we will go through four to six, depending on time, different areas of your life. We will talk about where you're struggling and why, and we'll talk about what you want and why. And I will tell you the exact things that you need to do in order to bridge that gap. I will make it super simple for you. And after this ADHD audit, you will never be the same again, truly, regardless of whether you decide to hire me as your coach or not. So you have got nothing to lose and a lot to gain, my friend. Huge love. I'll see you soon. Hey, friend. I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain. And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step process to set and finally achieve your goals, to understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.